Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. And it was another incident-packed weekend in the world of top-flight English football. Red cards, penalty misses, big wins and unexpected defeats... And of course, plenty of the off-pitch drama and controversy as well. Liverpool were meant to be back, but lost to bottom of the pile Bournemouth. Gary Lineker is back on the BBC after a wild impartiality row. And Ben Chilwell scored back at the scene of his old club to add extra spice to the relegation rumble. Today we'll look at where we are in the Premier League from top to bottom and as it's a Monday we'll have a little moan along the way too. My name's Niall and speaking of being back, joining me on Football Social Daily today, the familiar duo of Jim Salverson and Marley Anderson. Morning boys. Hello. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How was your weekend Jim? It was alright sir. Watch Match of the, the Day. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a bit of Match of the Day. That was weird. Do you know what? Match of the Day is always a challenge for me to stay awake for the whole thing. It's always difficult and always fall asleep before the end. And it was even more of a challenge this weekend with no commentary and no analysis. It's just like I felt myself drifting off a lot of times. Yeah, I'm sure we'll it get only into that. 20 minutes. How tired must you have been? I've just started to I'm very it's, sleepy at that time I mean, of night. I'm over 40, Marley. Old man. <laughs> have yeah. you seen some of the tweets as well? There was someone on Twitter who said, Loved match of the day. It finished in time for me to get to the pub for last orders. I did see that. If you're watching Match of the Day on the sofa at home, you're staying in exactly. that night. That's exactly. how it works. Time to go out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. one pint as well. Or yeah. If you're going to the pub for last orders, you're doing the pub wrong. Yeah. That doesn't just 100% show how out of touch some of these people are. Oh, yeah. The yeah. realms of reality. Like I said, yeah. They showed all of the goals. I, I mean, I'd love to see a match of the day where they go, ah, oh, do you know what, lads? I don't think we should include the second Chelsea goal tonight. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that one out, shall we? Let's just um, show the back passes. This anyway, week. I'm sure we'll get onto it. I'm sure we'll get onto it because on a Monday, we like to do something called Get In The Sea, which is our chance to cast something off into the sea that's wound us up over the weekend. And no doubt the whole match of the day, BBC impartiality route saga will be involved. So we'll come to you first, Marley. What? Are you going to throw into the sea? Will it be that by any chance? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird, wasn't it? The whole the whole last week has been strange. Um, you know, they've uh, they made the decision and 
to to try and limit what Gary Lineker says mm. uh, on free speech um, and made a rod for the wrong back. Really, I think it's backfired on the BBC's like um, decision. But it was always going to go like that. They should have they should have known really. Um, but yeah, the the decision on match of the day was was very strange. Uh, I don't know why. Do you know, does anyone know why they can't use the titles? You know, because why didn't they do the intro with the with the theme tune and everything? It wasn't match of the day. I, I guess. I'd, the, I guess that was probably an editorial decision to make it feel pointedly different. Probably a respect thing. Maybe. I think mm. they probably say if it, it's not match of the day if there's no pundits and no commentators. Um, do you think it was the right decision from people to kind of like support Gary Lineker and yeah. step out of the equation? Yeah. Like he's. You can't limit people's speech. It's not hate speech. Um, in at the end of the day, like everyone's got their own opinion. It doesn't matter whether you sign an impartiality contract or whatever, because it's that's just that's an unrealistic thing to to ask people to do. Like, oh, if you work for this company, you can't have an opinion on anything. Like that's that's wrong. That's censorship. So I don't think that should be even in the in the uh, contract in the first place. Um, so well, when he comes out and says... There are caveats to that. If you are, I mean, we saw this with James O'Brien a couple of years ago, who was the host of Newsnight. And when you are hosting a news-focused programme mm. and your role calls for impartiality because you are ultimately the referee in the middle of an argument, then I can kind of get that, that you shouldn't be clear about what your political views are one yeah, way or the other. It's but not a news programme, is it? It's no, football. exactly. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what makes the whole thing ridiculous. Gary that's Lineker is not employed on match of the day to give his opinions on political events. But what he does on his own social media profile as mm. a freelancer is, in my opinion, his own prerogative. He can do what he wants there yeah. as long as it doesn't border into the realms of hate speech, which is what Marley, I think, mm. is getting at here. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, away from BBC programming, which Twitter is, despite the fact he's paid by them, I feel like he can say what he wants. And I think, from my perspective, I was actually meant to be on a BBC show this weekend and like many of us decided that it probably wasn't the right thing to do to feature this weekend because it's not about whether I agree with what Gary Lineker said on his Twitter profile about the issues he was discussing. He doesn't have to abide by the same impartiality rules as someone in news, for mm. example, or no, someone completely. on news nights. So I think that if you are trying to stop people from having an opinion, because let's face it, everyone does have one, then that's a dangerous place to go to. And it's not something I personally agreed with. Whether I agree with what he says is a different matter entirely but it's the crux of the whole thing just didn't feel right I do wonder what the scenario would have been if he'd been as critical of so if you don't know this is all stems from yes the, there's probably a few American and Canadian yeah. listeners at the moment thinking what on earth are they talking about so, so the, the very quick potted scenario is the UK government announced new rules about immigration in terms of who could come into the country and how they could come into the country now Gary Lineker wasn't necessarily ne wasn't as critical of the rules that were introduced. He was critical of the language that was being used by Suella Bravman, who is the Home Secretary, who is in charge of such things. And he compared the language that was being used to that was being used in 1930s Germany, which was like the, the precursor to the rise of the Nazi Party and the Second World War, etc., etc. So that's kind of where it comes from. And I think it would be interesting to see whether the same scenario had played out had he not used the 1930s Germany reference. That's the bit that people took issue with, isn't mm. it? That's the bit that people took issue with. And that's probably yeah. where he's missed but, every, like but everybody as well, like everybody who was like so-called offended by this thing 
were like, oh, he's calling, he's calling the party Nazi and you can't do that. He didn't use the word Nazi because 1930s Germany wasn't 1940s Germany because mm. it was, like I said before, it was a precursor to the Nazi party. They um, used very similar tactics, the, the 1930s government, to, to lead up to the to the rise of the Nazi Party, that's where it came from. Yeah, so the sim- similarities are there. It's that division and blame kind of culture that kind of led to many yeah. fascist parties coming into power. Yeah, and like you know, going like building your party off the back of going for a minority, and you know, um, bringing in you know stuff like um, you know extreme measures for minorities and stuff, mm. and, and going against them, and then from that rose the the Hitler and you yeah. know and the, and the Nazi fascist party. So. Yeah, it was um, ultimately he had a point, but should he be should he be allowed to have a point? Was the was the argument? And yes, of course he should. Everyone everyone's got their right to an opinion as long as you don't horrendously. You know, he didn't he didn't tweet all Tories are Nazis, but people <laughs> people have. You know, people will tweet that. And he and didn't go, abuse oh. any of the ministers involved in making those decisions either, did he? With what exactly? He said. Yeah. So you- all, now all the Tories who are you know. Trying to like the guy, you know. I love, I love March of the Day this week. You've never f-ing watched it, mate. You've never, you don't have a clue about mm. normal society. Do you know, I think this comes back down to is a conversation we had. I want to say coming up to a year ago on this podcast, which was those people that say keep politics out of football and keep politics out of sport. You cannot do it. It's not possible. The, In the two words are of so Nigel intertwined. Pearson, you are an ostrich. You are if an you ostrich. Think, if you think that can happen, because you know. it just can't. Oh, let's just keep football to football and let's keep politics out of it. It's nonsense. Because Gary Lineker's a TV presenter means he can't have an opinion. And I think it goes back to that. So maybe that's what I want to throw in the sea, this idea that we should keep politics out of sport. Like, politics and sport are so intrinsically linked, even if we don't want them to be, or some people don't want them to be. You can't untangle the two. They're knotted together no. in a way that you, you cannot separate. So for me, it kind of leads on to another thing because this has been a social media debate. This has been a row about impartiality, impartiality in the BBC, impartiality on social media. And I also wanted to throw in the sea the idea that social media is unpoliced because let's face it, it is. It's not policed. Yes, uh, authorities can get involved when people do commit crimes when it comes to hate speech, like Marley was saying. But as much as I'm a... A fan of a of a rival club. Southampton's Kyle Walker Peters was racially mm. abused yesterday after their nil nil draw with Manchester United. It's unacceptable. And yet again we find ourselves stood on this podcast talking about racism and it nearly always stems from something someone has said on social media. And so therefore we're talking about this guy who's passed an opinion on a government policy that he doesn't agree with, but because he's paid by a broadcaster a significant amount of money. He's then sort of taken off the air and everyone's saying that he needs to apologise and other people are standing by him and you've got all of this whole furor. But yet once again in the Premier League this weekend, social media has thrown up this vile situation where someone's been abused for the colour of their skin again. Mm. I mean, it's just so, so depressing and demoralising to have to have these conversations every few months, it seems. Yeah, I mean, and... It's exasperating, isn't it? Yeah. From a certain point of view. And I can only imagine what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that. And it feels like a completely hopeless situation as well. Like you've got people like Elon Musk coming into Twitter and one of the big things he said he was going to do was kind of like end anonymity on social media and kind of <laughs> help to reduce this kind of abuse. It's just it's just not happened and it's never going to happen. And it's it's really difficult to work out a way to resolve that situation. But it's saddening. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating that, you know, you've got the whole of the news agenda has been dominated by something a guy said on social media. Two days later, you've got a guy just doing his job on the football pitch being abused for the colour of his skin. It's just... Ugh. I guess all we can do for now is try and eliminate the places where it's visible and it's obvious. And I'm not sure social media, I don't know what, how you combat that, but in terms of when it happens on the terraces, when it happens on the street, when it's a casual comment that's made by your slightly racist uncle at a family wedding, whatever it is, it's like the job of people who want to eliminate this stuff to call it out at that point. And that that's kind of a, it's a small, it's a small piece of the problem, but maybe it's a step in the right direction, but it's really difficult to know how you deal with that. Is there anything else that we want to moan about before we move on and we can get stuck into the football? Let me lighten it, the, uh, <laughs> the mood slightly. Yes. Because one fallout from the Gary Lineker match of the day scenario was GB News's alternative match of the day. Oh my They God. decided to broadcast. So first, I think we need to listen to a little clip. Brighton I've never been to, although I imagine that Gary Lineker would quite like Brighton because it's uh, full of rainbow flags and woke people. Uh, I think that's a fair point. Uh, the uh, tofu eating wokerati. So you've got to ignore the underlying homophobia and the bigotry on that and take it for what it was, which was complete car crash television. And it was so car crash that there was even debate going on online as to whether it was a genuine attempt to cover the football or whether it was some kind of weird comedy parody. And I'll tell you what, the closest thing I've seen to this being on television was, I don't know if you ever used to watch the day-to-day, the Chris Morris programme, where Steve Coogan and Alan Partridge kind of started. And it was like a it was like a fake... Steve Coogan is Alan Partridge, isn't he? Yeah. That's where they're, the character Alan Partridge I know, I know. and the actor Steve Coogan, they kind of started their careers there. And it was kind of like a parody news programme that was deliberately awful. But it was so awful, it was absolutely brilliant. And I, I've got absolutely no idea who they were making it for. But all the people on the programme were the type of people who start all their sentences with no offence but, and then proceed to say something ridiculously offensive and probably wear those comedy ties to parties. It was just, it was horrific gammon-led football coverage. But what I thought it did prove, and I think it proved exactly the opposite to what they wanted to prove. They wanted to prove that anyone can do this, anyone can kind of do decent football coverage it doesn't matter what side you're on, left or right or whatever. And it doesn't matter what side you're on, left or right. But what it did prove was that it doesn't matter who you are and you're doing this stuff professionally, whether it's Gary Lineker or Jeff Stelling or Mark Pugash or whoever it is, but it takes incredible craft and skill to be able to cover the football in an interesting way, unless you're on a podcast, obviously, in which case it's dead easy. <laughs> and I also thought it was funny that they kind of like the whole thing, as you said, Niall, there's this big thing about taking the politics out of football. Yeah. As that clip proves, they couldn't do it. They couldn't take the politics out of football. Everything they said was like a snide dig or a little elbow on the the left of politics and the wokerati or the snowflakes or the liberals or whatever it was. It was just, it was a ridiculous thing. And I think the, the, it just proved rainbow, how much we should value the likes of Gary Lineker in terms of this coverage. The rainbow flag thing, by the way, I should say, was a disgrace, yeah. that comment. Yeah. An absolute disgrace. It is homophobia or as close to it as you can get. Because Brighton as a club have had numerous jibes over the years because of the gay community that live in that particular city. And that has in turn over the years been associated with Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. And I do not think that comment was acceptable. No, it's disgusting. And it's also disgusting to connect that with the idea of being a snowflake. And it's kind of the the marrying of the two almost. It's like, oh, if you, you if you're a... 
it's, you're, it's if, so partisan at the moment, though, isn't it? It's a bi- we're, we're living in a binary world, I think, at the moment, where you're either one side or the other. There's no common ground. There's no common sense yeah. at the moment. It, is, it, it was. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. I mean, Mark Doolan, who hosted it, is a former comedian. He used to have a show called Balls of Steel on Channel 4, which was actually quite funny. But then he kicked off his GB News career by going on a rant about wearing masks and cutting up a mask live on television with a pair of scissors. It's like, he's got previous he's with this stuff. But it's, um, yeah, it, <laughs> Mike Porky Parry. I mean, his name's Porky Parry was one of those. It's, it's, you couldn't, you literally couldn't write it if you wanted to come up with something more funny. But uh, go and check it out if you haven't had a chance. Well, listen, someone called me a virtue signalling this weekend oh, which cool. is uh, <laughs> an insult I'm more than prepared to that. accept um, <laughs> yeah. compared to some of the stuff that other people have been subjected to this weekend so that concludes getting the seat I know we weren't explicitly talking about the football there we will get onto it next but as I mentioned before we do like to on Football Social Daily discuss some of the issues that affect the game in a wider context and certainly those were some of those over the course of the weekend. But next, we will be talking about the Premier League because at the top and at the bottom, some really interesting results over the course of Saturday and Sunday. And as we speed towards the next international break, how do things look in the Premier League? We'll talk about it after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast and a double-nominated podcast as well. We've been nominated in this year's Sports Podcast Awards. We won a gong last year, which we're really proud of. So I just wanted to take this moment to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show, whether that's once in a while or every single day, whichever corner of the globe you're in, we really appreciate your support. So if you like the podcast, why not go and review the show? You can do that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. If there's a review system, go and leave us some stars and let us know what you think. And of course, get in touch with us as well on social media at FSD pod if there's any issues you want us to discuss on the show when it comes to Premier League football or the wider footballing world in this country in general then that is the place to get in touch with us you can also find us on Instagram and on Facebook as well but normally on a Monday we like to look back at some of the big incidents across the course of the weekend but so much happened over Saturday and Sunday we think the best thing to do is take a look in perspective at the top of the table and at the bottom of the table let's start at the top of the pile Marley where Arsenal were once again victorious That means their gap at the top of the table remains five points from second place Manchester City. They absolutely blew Fulham away. A Fulham side who are eighth in the table 
on the hunt for a European spot have been quite impressive, particularly at Craven Cottage this season. It's not been easy for many teams to pick up results there. And yet Arsenal went there and absolutely decimated them in the opening stages. Big win for the Gunners and they keep that points gap. Yeah, they were uh, they were very good. I think they learned exactly what they needed to from last week, you know, with uh, being 2-0 down to Bournemouth and coming back. They've gone in and went, well, that's, that's not happening again. Let's get out the get out the traps quickly and, and try and get this game in our favour pretty early because yeah. as much as Fulham have been good this season, I've, I don't buy into this whole, like, oh, they're a really hard team to beat. I don't think they are. I think they're a little bit easy to play against sometimes. They, they let you play a bit, and if you do that against top teams, they'll they'll murder you, and, and Arsenal did. I thought Trossard was brilliant. Um, Odegaard's goal was really good as well. Um, and I just thought, yeah, Arsenal, we're, we're just like, right, well, last week isn't happening again, so... Out the traps we come, and it, what was it? Three nil, three nil by half time, was it? So, yeah, yes, you know, game over there, and they keep the five point gap, which is, uh, you know, as long as that's there, you mm. know, they're they're comfortable favourites for the Premier League at the minute. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, obviously a long way to go, and a lot more twists and t- twists and turns to come. I think April's a huge month. Yeah, massive. Um, there's there's five weekends in April alone, so that yeah. doesn't count in the cup matches, the Europa matches, the Midweek Premier League mm. games. I mean, April is just looking massive at the moment. Yeah, they've got uh, obviously the Europa League comes back and stuff like that. And yeah, they've um, you know they're, they're onto that challenge now though. But to even to get to this point with a five point gap is is massive. I and mean, whatever happens now, you can't say Arsenal have had a bad season or anything like that or underachieved because no one would have expected them to even be in the title race. Never mind a five point gap going into uh, you know, mid March. So mm. fair enough. We'll have to see what what happens, but. Yeah, they've uh, they they hammered Fulham and looked pretty comfortable. You wouldn't it, say it was a surprising result, would you? Because no, even, Arsenal are top of the league. So. Yeah, and even though there's no, not Arsenal. a huge distance, I think being three nil up inside the first forty minutes, I think that was a surprise. Yeah, but, yeah, but you look at the quality on the pitch between the two, and it's like three nil doesn't feel particularly alarming when you've got a team like Fulham who have come up from the Championship. There's always going to be the odd occasion where they just don't turn up for games. Yeah, yeah, or they just ship a load. And Arsenal. We know we've seen them several times. They can mm. take it to the best of them, and they can score yeah. goals for fun. I think what the argument have got to do that now. Like they've got to like become be aware of that because they're safe, mm. yeah, and yeah. they're not gonna look. I'm on, I know they're in the European hunt, but not really. Um, well, Brighton have got so three games in hand on Fulham. I know, and they're a place above them. So. Yeah. So it. I mean, what 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 would that make Fulham seventh? At Ful- Fulham at eighth at the moment, but eighth if Brighton lose their three games in hand and Fulham go. keep pace, then yeah, I I just think you know when people talk about teams being on the beach in the last five games, well Fulham twelve <laughs> games to go now. I think Fulham are getting the deck mm. chairs out already because they're like we've done what we came to do. We d- we came to the Premier League to survive. That's mm. it. Everyone and says forty points, don't they? They say yeah. forty points is the survival number, and they're yeah. on thirty nine. So yeah, I mean, and look at the absolute free for all below them. So yes, you know, eight teams in the in the relegation scrap. I would say so. Mm. And yeah. we'll come on to that in a second. We yeah. will because it's very interesting. But just on Arsenal, thought it was interesting that Mikel Arteta was asked, Jim, would he rather win a game in the ninety seventh minute? like he did at the Emirates last week against Bournemouth or just have the game wrapped up 3-0 by half-time. 
And he said, winning is winning. That's all he cares about. But there is a different dynamic to when you win a game in the 97th, 98th minute like they did against Bournemouth. The lift it gives, mm. gives the team is different. It's a different kind of win. And in the stadium, it's mad as well. Yeah, like, yeah. If you score after five minutes, it's, it, it's, it's great. Yeah. But You don't want to do it every week though, do you? I mean, everyone's been in that scenario. Yeah, it's no, a friendly no. game of five aside. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. next goal wins. It's a great feeling when you, that goal goes in. You think in, in yeah. terms of confidence that a 3-0 win and being up by half-time by a comfortable scoreline would give a team more confidence but scraping past the team bottom of the table with the last kick of the game in a strange way gives the side more confidence to win it that way than if you were just 3-0 up like they were against Fulham. I guess they do different things in terms of your team dynamic don't they? Like Winning 3-0 every week is absolutely great and it would give you confidence but at the same time it would also likely build complacency if you're not being challenged Mm. whereas that kind of togetherness and grit and determination that requires you to come back for a 2-0 deficit like they did against Bournemouth, that's kind of a different type of mentality. And maybe that's one of the things that Mikel Arteta has done so well with this Arsenal squad is that they do have different gears and they do have different kind of levels that they can get to. And Gabriel Jesus was back on the pitch as well after a long spell on the sidelines. So Arsenal win against Fulham, maintain their five-point gap and of course Gabriel Jesus, a former Manchester City player, um, before we talk about City, Arsenal, five points ahead, 12 games to go. If they don't win the title, are they bottling it now? Or is it still not yet? Un- is it unfair to say that? Not yet. 12 okay. games to go is still a fair few. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's what? Yeah. That's 36 points to play for. And yeah. they've only got a five-point lead. One of those games is against Manchester City. Yeah. That yeah. is a big game. Yes. That's a potential yes. title. One, one defeat, really. Yeah, Outside yeah. that City game, it's one defeat, isn't yeah. it? So, mm. you know, mm. it's... It's closer than it looks and five points can be eroded very quickly, especially yeah. when you're coming up against a side like City, who, Marley, Pep Guardiola says, they're still in it. They're still in it. They're not they dead yet. Of course they are. Yeah. It's Man City. They won four out of the last five Premier League titles. Of course they're in it, but I'll be, uh, personally, I'll be fuming if Arsenal win the league because they, they look like the one the one team that's going to let my pre-season accumulator down <laughs> for 1,500 quid. Which I've already earmarked for a new TV, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but everyone else is winning. Like, I had Burnley it's to win the TV, championship. What'd you get for 1500 quid? I don't know. Like an 8K or like something. A 4D one <laughs> yeah. or something, yeah. You can watch Arsenal lift the Premier League trophy play in 4K. when you're watching the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but le- next up for City is Liverpool. So that's a, that's a massive game just because of the Who's nature that, of those two teams. Manchester City play Liverpool in the Premier League next. Ooh. That's a half 12 kickoff. So another early kickoff when Arsenal don't play till the Sunday. So the gap could Liverpool potentially be... a cup team now. They get up for the big games and not, mm. not the, you know, beat Man United fine, but if you mm. lose to Bournemouth the next week... Yeah. If it wasn't Manchester City in second place at the moment, I think we'd probably all give Arsenal more of a chance to win in the Premier League. And they are in the driving seat, obviously, because yeah. they've got a five-point gap. Yeah. But Man City are relentless. And it winds me if up. If it was Even Man City with a five-point lead, everyone would be like, ah, oh, it's done. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, on, yeah. on the way in, I was driving into the studio listening to a talk radio station and oh, their God. question was what's gone wrong at Man City it's like nothing's gone wrong at Man City they're five points off the top they're scoring yeah. goals for fun they're just not quite at Arsenal's level Arsenal have been and, fantastic and, but if you look at look at the, the statistics right this is football in a nutshell Arsenal five points ahead have scored 62 goals conceded 25 Man City have also conceded 25 and have scored 67 yeah they've scored more goals Conceded the same amount, well, five points behind, mm. because football matches aren't played in in that way. So you talk about things that have gone wrong. They've got a solid defence. Only Newcastle have a better defence than those two teams in the terms of goals conceded. 
Just and no one scored more goals than Manchester City in the league this season. I, I so yeah. the one thing that will give Manchester City fans hope at the moment, and I think this is demonstrated perfectly by Arsenal, weirdly enough, that Zinchenko has gone into that Arsenal team and he's been a natural leader with the experience of winning three titles, maybe four titles, mm. and you see him on the pitch. He's giving team talks. He's shouting at his teammates. He's organising them as a squad. And he's kind of almost like an assistant manager on the pitch for Mikel Arteta. Man City have got five or six of those players in that squad who have yeah. been there. They've done it. They've mm. got the experience. And we talked about it in the cup final where Manchester United turned over Newcastle. It's like that experience of winning stuff previously and keeping going to yeah. the end is invaluable. But also it could work in the opposite way. Because if you look at the players that have performed for Manchester City this season, two of their standout performances performers at least recently have been Ake mm. and Grealish yeah, yeah. two players who up until last season had never tasted success really at any level I mean Grealish won the playoffs with Villa but I'm talking serious silverware and he's been to a World Cup semi-final well yeah final. World Cup quarter-final don't know if it was, was he was he in I don't think he was in Russia was he so he went to the Euros though didn't he, he went to the Euros final but you know you're talking about players who are hungry because they've not been as successful whereas I'm not saying that players like Gundogan or John Stones, for example, have been poorer, mm. but it's more a case of they maybe don't have the same hunger as some of the other players. And I've heard Guardiola talk about this, but I think it's interesting. At the moment, the gap is five points. Arsenal lead the way. Manchester City second on 61. 16 points off the top, 11 points off second. In third place with 50 points is Manchester United. Now, two and a half weeks ago, we were talking about whether they might be in with a shout winning the title, Jim. They're not in the title race, are they? I don't think so. I think I don't. I don't see how they can be with twelve games. We, to we go. say there's a lot still to go. There's still a lot still to play for. But like you say, sixteen points off the top with twelve games. Well, yeah, twelve games. Nil nil with left. Southampton, second from bottom at the weekend. It feels like they've let it slip. But if you rewind ten weeks mm. and you said but they have had loads of games. In all yeah. fairness, they've had you, loads if you, of games. If you, if you rewound ten weeks and said, look, you're going to win a cup early doors. You're going to get the the league cup and you'll be top four at the end of the season and, and they're pretty but much already in the quarterfinals of the Europa because they dominated Real Betis the other day 1-4-1 so you know they're not going to get beat 4-0 in Seville so. I think though, that, that challenge for top four at the moment is really competitive and really interesting as well Manchester United look like they've pretty much got it but even then they're only six points off Newcastle and Newcastle even though they've been out of form they've kind of hung on in there yeah. Spurs are kind of on the up Liverpool have improved in terms of form. Mm. So that top four is going to be really competitive. Well, who's getting top? Who's getting that fourth spot? I think we can all agree that Manchester United are going to finish third. Tottenham on 48 points, but have played a game more and two games more than Newcastle, who are mm. fifth at the moment, and Liverpool are sixth. Brighton have games in hand over all of those teams. And if they win them, they could get up to fourth spot. I'd be amazed if Brighton got top four. I think Newcastle, it might be a little bit beyond them this season, and I think that's all right. I think them finishing in the Europa places is perfectly acceptable. I think it's probably as it stands at the moment. Arsenal City, obviously top two. Manchester United, as long as they don't have any more Southampton results in them, will be all right. Although Casemiro is now missing for four weeks, that's going to be a massive negative for Ten Hag. Mm. And then I think Spurs. I don't know how they've done it. I've no idea how they've had the season they've had and are still fourth. If Spurs finish fourth, having had the season they've had and we've been brilliant and don't finish fourth, (laughs) I don't understand how that happens. Because It's it's like they're sneaking points somehow. For Newcastle, it's been the last three, four weeks with the cup final. Is where where if if you're not going to finish fourth, that'll be where you've kind of lost it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, Yeah. yeah, but... 
yeah I mean I hope we do obviously I, I, I'm even to be in this position with a genuine crack at fourth at, at this point is beyond anything I expect. I, I said at the start of the season, I take a top ten finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top ten and just not be in the relegation scrap in March like we always are. The chances are you're going to finish in European football at some spot, whether that's Champions League, Europa, Europa Conference. I'm pretty certain you'll be playing so. yeah. midweek football next Europa season. Europa League is about right for us as well because I think if we went into the Champions League, we'd have to do so much more this summer mm. to then go and yeah, yeah. strengthen the squad and compete and twice that- a week and... That can affect the league form and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting. The top of the Premier League is looking exciting. And I said a few weeks back, you'd be a fool to bet on any one outcome, whether that be at the top or the bottom of the table at this stage. With about 12 games to go, looking very exciting. Arsenal are top, second Manchester City and completing the top four, Manchester United and Tottenham. Newcastle now fifth with that win yesterday over Wolves. Liverpool lost to Bournemouth, which we'll talk about in a second. They're sixth. Brighton a seventh and Fulham slipped down to eighth with Brentford and uh, Chelsea ninth and tenth respectively. But it is the bottom of the Premier League table that we're going to zoom in on next. My word, this could be the closest relegation battle for some years. We'll talk about it after this on FSD. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. And if you're a supporter of any of the bottom 12 clubs in the Premier League, you're probably feeling a little bit dicey at the moment because anyone from Crystal Palace in 12th all the way down to Southampton at the foot of the table is, for me, in a relegation battle, Jim. It's the bottom eight, not the bottom 12. The bottom eight, sorry. take the point. (laughs) From, from, From 12th down to 20th. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. But if Crystal Palace 12th, 27 points. Southampton bottom 22 points. Five points separate the bottom eight teams in the Premier League. There any team, said 12 again then. Any team from that lot could go down, but equally any team from that lot could stay up, which we wouldn't have given Southampton well done, Jim. a little while ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Stating the obvious. Jim's, Jim's the first person to ever sit on an eight-sided fence. Like. <laughs> it's, I mean, from someone whose team is in that scrap at the moment as a West Ham fan, it's kind of you're offered hope and despair in equal mm. measures because it's one of those scenarios where a couple of wins and you yeah. shoot right We're up. We're talking about two separate divisions at the moment. Again. Almost inside the Premier League. So as I mentioned, 11th is Aston Villa with 35 and then 12th is Palace with 27 points. I'd argue that's Aston Villa aren't safe either, actually. Oh, Jim, they're safe. Oh, they are. They're, they're safe. eight points ahead of Palace. That's what I mean. You're talking well, about two, di- two divisions. And 12 is eight points. In two sense. divisions inside the Premier League at the moment. You've got the bottom half and the top half and it cuts off underneath Aston Villa. So from 12th down, that's what you're looking at in terms of relegation battle. But each of these teams, if you see who they've got coming up next, 
Crystal Palace have their rivals, in inverted commas, Brighton coming up next. They've not won a game in 2023. Wolves have got Leeds, relegation scrap. West Ham have got Southampton, relegation That's scrap. A massive game. You know, it's just massive. And then Southampton have got Brentford, who are playing well this season. So you look at all of those teams down there. I mean, someone like Leicester sticks out for me. We say that they're good enough in terms of their quality to stay in the league. They've lost 16 games in the Premier League this season. The same amount as Southampton. Do you think there'll be another team to make a change managerially between now and the end of the season from that lot, though? I mean, some have already made managerial changes. Well, Southampton won't. We know that. Leeds won't because they've just put in Harry. The, the crowd are definitely turning against Brendan Rodgers. I, I would agree with that. I mean, David Moyes has been under pressure. Deitch has just been appointed. Steve Cooper has got the backing of Forrest and Julian Lopetegui's just come in there. The only Moyes going? Yeah, it's it's between Moyes, Vieira, and Rodgers, isn't it? I don't think David That's Moyes will go from West Ham because I think the board just like him too much and they're too thick-skinned to actually listen okay. to the noise from the fans. In that despite case, despite the fact we're turning in absolutely abject performances, I think he'll stay. It's between. Vieira at Palace and Rodgers at Leicester then, if you're talking about clubs that are going to make a change of management soon. Mm. That'd be Rodgers then. I've not heard much about Vieira, even though Palace have been awful for months. Every time I watch Palace, I just think, what what, what are you... like? You're so lucky they've had a decent start and they've got that little bit of cushion, but even that's been eroded now. I think, what, what did you say before? That they haven't won in 2023? Not a league game, no. <sighs> Jesus Christ, that's it. You know, everyone's saying about Vieira, oh, he's a good progressive manager and stuff, but he's not he's not changed anything at Palace that um that Roy Hodgson was doing. They usually finish about eleventh or twelfth. Probably he's changed the football, hasn't yeah. he? It's a better watch. It it is a better watch, yeah. But how you know, how much value do you place on a better watch compared to performances? They still haven't got a striker that can score goals. Uh, Zaha's probably going to go this summer, maybe, if because his contract's up. <laughs> because because he, that's that's he, he's been dying to go summer. for eight years, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, his contract's up, so he's he, surely even I, he can't balls that one up. Um, but Palace even being twelfth, I mean, with the form they're in, it's they've got they've got form, they've got yeah. Brighton next. If they don't win that, let's just say they lose to Brighton. I know I'm dealing with ifs, buts, and maybes here. But let's say they lose their next two games. Arsenal on Sunday. You know, then what? They're right in it. They're right in it. But then, they've oh, the four after that, so they've got Brighton at the weekend, then Arsenal, and then they've got Leicester, Leeds, Southampton and Everton and Wolves and West Ham after that. So they've got everyone <laughs> around them in that. Which, which is good, like I This say, is absolutely brilliant. It's, 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 it's good yeah. and bad in equal measures, isn't it, for the club? Because it's good because you can pick up points from your rivals, but it's bad because you can lose points to your rivals. Yeah. And it's it like, changes every single week. I'm genuinely worried at the moment for West Ham and our prospects are staying in the lead I think it feels very similar to the season we got relegated with 41 points where the, the narrative is oh, too good to go down too good to go is down is that Uncle Avram um, because the yeah, record that you've got this season is as bad if not worse than the season you got it's relegated appalling. under Avram Grant and I know how you feel about his management and what was really what's the, the point of difference between that season and this season is under Avram Grant we were making chances. We were playing half decent football. We just weren't able to score goals. It's because you had Freddie Picky on up front. Yeah, in, in love this it. Se- I love him, but in this season we're not making chances. We're getting thirty odd percent possession at home. And like you look at Danny Ings' performance at the weekend. Danny Ings is a good striker. He should be scoring a lot of goals in any team, and he's proved it. He can at Aston Villa and at South Southampton, less so at Liverpool. 
but he touched the ball four times in mm. 90 minutes. Mm. It's like he's Did not he? getting the service. Four times? Four times. Wow. Aside from like your Sunday league performances, really. As- aside <laughs> from the game against Brighton recently where you did get hammered 4-0, mm. you've lost games, but you've not been thrashed that often. If you look at your goal difference, West Ham, minus 10, the teams with the best goal difference down in the bottom reaches of the table are yourselves with minus 10, Leeds have minus 11, their second bottom, and Leicester are just above it with minus 9. Do you think with how tight it is, we could get down to goal difference being a determining factor in who stays up and who goes down this season? Because as much as West Ham, you should be worried about them, and absolutely rightly so, your goal difference is looking okay, all things considered, compared to some of the other teams, like Bournemouth have minus 26, Southampton minus 21, Everton minus 18, Forest have got minus 26. Yeah, so I mean, West Ham's goal difference is one point of positivity at least. I mean, you look at how tight it is and it could easily come down to goal difference. So that is a positive. I think that's almost an excuse though for the way football is being played. And it is, I mean, David Moyes likes a very tight, compact, absorbing type of football. So he, they sit back and they absorb pressure. But with the squad that's available, and I don't think there's many people that would argue if you look at those bottom eight teams, West Ham have the best squad from those bottom eight if you look man for man there's yeah. more players that like if you were going to pick your player in each position from those teams like West Ham would have more than their fair share of players that yeah. made that all star squad or West Ham and Leicester probably star. yeah West- all <laughs> squad or whatever it was <laughs> but I mean that that doesn't become a good excuse for but them being in the, posi- the position they are because they're not losing by that many goals it's like no, they, I agree. they shouldn't I agree, be losing yeah. at all I agree but you look at Leicester they've lost four in a row yeah you know, this is this is what we're talking about. We're talking about teams that one win or one draw. So I was at Goodison Park on Saturday and it was really nervous in that place. It was amazing. The first minute of the game was amazing. The players walking out of the tunnel, the atmosphere was brilliant. Dwight McNeil scores after 35 seconds. But for the other 87 minutes, all of the Evertonians around me were absolutely bricking it. <clears throat> bricking it. And, you know, they're a point above the relegation zone now. Whereas... After last week's draw with Forest, where they were in front and they let the game get away from them and it ended up being 2-2, I spoke to Evertonians before the match who said, we're going down, Niall. We're going down. We're getting relegated. It's it's over. We're done. And now they're out of it. Mm. You know, so so that is that is the difference. But, you know, from an Everton perspective even, Leeds managed to come from behind to draw with Brighton. That's a good result. Southampton drew with Manchester United. That's a good result. And Bournemouth beat Liverpool. That's a good result. So you're talking about teams down there needing to take points off of those sides around them. We've seen them take points off of the top teams as well. Liverpool lost, mm. Manchester United dropped points. So, you know, it's not like Madness, it's it? all going to come down to that. If Bournemouth had beaten Arsenal last week, they would be sitting right now uh, level with Crystal Palace in in 13th. Yeah. Well, 14th. Sorry. Yeah, below but, Wolves, I think, yeah. yeah. So, mm. But it's madness, isn't it? It's like one win. And then you're out of it, and then you lose next week. You strip back in it again. If I was going to pick, if yeah. I was picking three teams. I was to about go down, to ask you that. Oh god, it's really difficult. I think Everton will do all right because I think Sean Dyche is doing exactly what Sean Dyche does. And if you look at the results that have taken mm. place since he came in, like his formula is, we're going to win every home game one 0 Yeah, but they've played a game more than <laughs> played a game more than everyone else. Their next two is Chelsea and Spurs. But the the improvements are there. Though, Beat aren't them both one 0 I mean, Ch- Chelsea aren't the Chelsea that we've. No, but they've just started to the turn up. State, they? Yeah, a little bit. I think Everton really will be all right. I think Leicester City are in danger. I think Leeds are in real danger. Southampton are. Bournemouth, 
it's difficult to say. I would have had them down a few weeks ago, but maybe not so now. I think Wolverhampton Wanderers will be all right. I think they were really unlucky. But Bournemouth, the Bournemouth would be bottom of the table had Mo Salah not stuck his penalty into the 15th row, the stand behind the goal. Southampton, Leeds and Leicester City. Southampton, Bournemouth and Leeds at this point. But it's so easy to say with them. But I, then again, I look at Leeds and I think they've got good enough players to stay up. And yeah, I do. watched their games recently and they've created loads of chances. They've just not been able to finish them off. You know, Bamford's goal at the weekend was a brilliant goal, crashed in off the crossbar. Where's that been? Where's he been? Yeah. Takes a big deflection as well, though, doesn't it? Like, it does. It's it does. Road, the look a bit to score. Like, like that goal. Harrison's goal was brilliant as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great finish. Defensively, they're just not good enough leads, I don't think. Like, people like Robin Cock, I don't, I don't think he's a great player. Strauch, I've, I've given pelters to over the years and I'm still going to give him pelters because I think he's a terrible def- he's a very good looking man and very great uh, great hair uh, lovely hair and everything but it doesn't make you a good defender I don't think so yeah I think Melier I like Melier but he, he's learning on the job because he's so young he makes daft mistakes he's won against Everton for Coleman's uh, volley where he's five yards off his line went expecting a cross to come in I think that's uh, that's an issue so for me, I would pick Southampton. I think it'll it'll stay as it is now. Southampton leads and yeah. Bournemouth for me. But Southampton uh, if I had to pick. But I mean, I'm I'm still desperate for Forest to go down. Uh, Southampton I, have I would, got Brentford on Wednesday that. night. We've got two games midweek in the Premier League. You've got Brighton, Crystal Palace. Big for Palace that, if not just because of their rivalry, but because of how poor their form is. And then Southampton, half seven Wednesday night against Brentford. Mm. You know, and then that changes the dynamic going into the weekend as well because Forest have got Newcastle at home and then all of the other teams are in action. So yeah. it's um very interesting. Very interesting. Like a box of frogs just climbing over each other, aren't they? At the bottom at that bottom. Yeah. Until someone <laughs> wins two in a row, you're in it. Because <laughs> everyone's just going win win one week, lose the next week. So But what's really interesting is Jim's expressed how he feels and he's worried about West Ham. I've spoken to Leicester fans. We spoke to Mark from It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy last week on Football Social Daily. He thinks that Leicester are banging the relegation fight and the statistics prove it. The Everton fans I spoke to on Saturday, all bricking it. James, one of our producers here at Football Social Daily, Nottingham Forest fan, he says we're right back in trouble after the weekend. Mm -hmm. So every single supporter of every club I've spoken to who have a side involved, embroiled in this relegation battle, all yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. Every single one. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just horrible. <laughs> one of my mates is a Leeds fan. He thinks they're going. I'm like, are you, are you sure? He's like, yeah, we're going. We're, we're rubbish. We're not good enough. So, yeah. Yeah. It's everyone's panicking. It's it's exciting, just, it is nice to watch it from afar because <laughs> we are always in it. This is me every year going. No, honestly, we're the worst team. We're we're crap. And then now I'm watching it from the heady heights of fifth. Or whatever it is going. Oh, this this is this is quite cushy up here. It's quite exciting. <laughs> Strange. It's really Role exciting. Reversal with me and Jim. Jim's off on uh, you know p- trying to pack his bag for AFK Larnaca last last <laughs> season, saying we're going to be in the Conference League. And there's me panicking. But yes. Those were the days. Season. My team is 11th in League One, lads. Bit of perspective. Bit of perspective. <laughs> Come on, boys. Come on. Anyway, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss any of our chats with former Premier League players. Last week, we spoke to Pascal Chimbonda. What a guy he is. We've also got some cool interviews coming up this week. We're going to be speaking to Ben Thornley as well, a former Manchester United youth player who was actually tipped as being better than Beckham, better than Giggs, better than Scholes, 
in the end it never quite worked out for him really fascinating story from Ben um, we're also hoping to speak to some other former Premier League players as well which we'll bring you news of in the near future but if you don't want to miss any of our interviews hitting subscribe is the right thing to do but from myself Marley and Jim on today's FSD that is it and we'll speak to you again tomorrow catch you then Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.